The latest wonderful side effect of climate activism is here. Ships must slow down to save endangered whales, the U.S. government says. Apparently boats are crashing into whales and killing them. So now they want boats to limit how fast they go. Now, I'm not an oceanographer, but I am a thinker. And from what I can tell by looking at maps, the ocean's pretty big. Like, policing this seems to be a tad difficult. Do you set up speed traps in the middle of the Atlantic? How does this work exactly? Monitoring all these boats and their speeding ticket quotas and all of the other things that are going on. I mean, it might be a little lonely out there for these poor boat police. I think they're going about this all wrong. Climate activists, as always, start with humans as the problem. If it were up to them, they would get rid of all humans. Humans are bad. As we know, there wouldn't be this human being problem if there weren't all these human beings. So why not take a look at some of the animals uh, instead? I mean, they're not exactly saints here. Here's a video that went viral, I think, like last week of a whale completely unprovoked jumping out of a perfectly good and safe ocean to crush an innocent boat. Oh, oh. oh yeah, you oh. saw it. Look at that, that poor boat. This whale is just, I mean, it's just sitting there minding its own business, so the boat is, and then the reckless whale just leaps out of the water and tries to sink it and kill everyone. What is up with that? Psychotic whales. And that is just the beginning. Google whale attacks trainer. I dare you. Yeah, because you'll see a bunch of ungrateful whales attacking someone for literally giving them food to eat in a house they were given for free, free rent. Look, these whales are monsters, okay? Monsters who just happen to be bigger than like four or five school buses. So I don't know, maybe the government should try regulating these unhinged, out of control whales instead. Where is the common sense whale reform? Unregulated whales are a danger to boats everywhere. Ban breaching. Now, if that sounds like a dumb idea, you know, it's because it is, but it is just as feasible and effective as speed limits in the middle of the ocean. But this is what we get when government tries to solve a problem. Stu does America. Now, no other show is gonna come out and take the brave anti-whale stance that this show takes on a daily basis. Whale oil should return, and we're going to go down that road. We will die on that hill. BlazeTV.com slash stew is the place to go uh, to subscribe to Blaze TV. You can support our anti-whale efforts there. Use the promo code stew to save 10 bucks. Bobby Burak is here to discuss Cleveland's bold new sports strategy. Joy, Whoopi, and the whole View gang somehow managed to top their own idiocy, but we start by doing Jon Stewart. Now, Jon Stewart, we thought he was out of our lives long ago. You know, he did The Daily Show for a million years, and he did his shtick every single day. And, and the shtick was really, really familiar, right? He'd look quizzingly at the camera, and the whole crowd would cheer and, and laugh. And then he'd occasionally throw in a swear word, and they'd bleep it out, and everyone would go, oh. And then all the media would parrot whatever he said over and over again. And we were infected by that illness uh, for many, many years. Now we kind of have it with John Oliver, though not as prominently. I mean, you know, this guy, Jon Stewart, kind of controlled the cultural connection to politics for many, many years. I mean, we forget this national nightmare uh, because everyone forgot The Daily Show's still on the air since Trevor Noah took over. But at one point, it was actually influential. Now, Jon Stewart is no longer seemingly influential. I think he's doing something again. Is that right? Is he doing something like Netflix or something? I, I don't know. He's doing something for someone. 
Um, and, you know, so he's not making as much news, but he has this post-Daily Show shtick that he does, which is act outrage on the behalf of, of veterans or 9-11 victims or some other group that we all love and cherish and act like he's the only one out there speaking the truth. He's the only one that wants 9-11 victims to have any health care. He's the only one who wants police officers to be protected. I mean, now, of course, on the left, he may be the only one who wants police officers protected. That's a whole other story. But the bottom line is this is shtick. And every time he does it, he does it the same way. He comes out with this angry, angry thing where he swears a bunch of times, gets all the facts wrong. The media parrots it like crazy so they can make Republicans look bad because without fail, Republicans are always uh, the target of these criticisms. And then we get down the road where... When you find out the truth, you realize that, you know, this funding for this group was always going to go through. Everyone knew it was going to go through. They were quibbling about some detail, and then eventually it goes through anyway. And then John Stewart takes a victory lap, and he says, oh, look at me. Look what I've done. I, I was the one who said how important this was, and the media followed me, and now I get credit because I'm so great. Now, this hasn't happened in a little while because, as I said, John Stewart has been completely out of our lives and totally invisible, but he's back in our lives today. So Ted Cruz uh, and a bunch of other uh, senators are pushing back against this bill in the Senate, which they argue uh, would lead to some out-of-control spending unrelated to veterans. Now, this is a common back and forth, as you see, between the left and the right when it comes to these issues. Uh, John Stewart uh, signaled out Ted Cruz and went after him in this video. Oh, hello. I'm John Stewart, apparently. <laughs> Quite funny. And I'm awfully interested in what Theodore Cruz is about to say about the PACT Act. Go on. But what the dispute is about is the Democrats played a budgetary trick, which is they took $400 billion in, in discretionary spending and they shifted it to mandatory. One thing, what Ted Cruz is describing is inaccurate, not true. Bullsh See how funny that is without a crowd? Mm -hmm. That's ex plays well, huh? Uh, so Ted Cruz responds and he says, uh, hey, John, you're wrong here. The bill gives $400 billion blank check separate from vets care for unrelated pork that will supercharge inflation. I support the PACT Act and it's $679.4 billion it would dedicate to vets. It's people trying to use PACT to shovel more pork who are exploiting Vets. Now, John Stewart went through a lengthy uh, response on this on Twitter as well. He said, no one is playing politics with the PACT Act, but you, Toomey, and your band of merry monsters. Stop effing around and pass the bill you already had passed. Thank you for coming to my Ted Cruz talk. See how funny that is when you don't have an audience? So... He's trying to say that Ted Cruz is lying here and Pat Toomey as well. Now, Toomey did go on uh, to talk about this. It was really more Toomey's thing than Cruz. But, uh, you know, again, look, I like Pat Toomey as a senator. I think he's been generally good with the notable exception of guns. He's been a generally a good senator and he's leaving when he said he would leave, which uh, considering Dr. Oz is behind by 11 points. I'm not all that crazy about that decision at this exact moment. But overall, I'm kind of excited that he actually stuck by his word. I think Toomey's been generally good. But you know what doesn't get you clicks? Pat Toomey. It's like a, it's, it's boring, even as a name. Pat Toomey. No one's t t clicking on an article about Pat Toomey. 
luckily the Blaze did write one anyway, uh, about the uh, interview uh, that he did with Jake Tapper on this particular topic. And I want to let, let him explain uh, his uh, position. But again, what's the point of going after Ted Cruz? This was, this was Toomey's argument uh, from the very beginning, really more than Cruz, although Cruz also uh, agrees with his analysis. Here's the back and forth. What do you say to those who find it impossible to believe that of all the multi-trillions of dollars in our federal budget, <clears throat> this is where you and Republicans decided to take a stand? Here's what question, uh, you need way. to keep in mind, Jake. First of all, um, this is the oldest trick in Washington. Uh, people take a sympathetic group of Americans, and it could be children with an illness, it could be victims of crime, it could be veterans who've been exposed to toxic chemicals, craft a bill to address their problems, and then sneak in something completely unrelated that they know could never pass on its own and dare Republicans to do anything about it because they know they'll unleash their allies in the media and maybe a, a pseudo celebrity to make up false accusations to try to get us to just swallow what shouldn't be there. That's what's happening here, Jake. But, but this, my this efforts, was my Republican colleagues, let me let, last month. Yeah, and we were promised that we'd have an opportunity to offer an amendment to, to change this. And then, of course, that was reneged on. So people hadn't had a chance to be socialized about this. Let me be very clear. The Republicans are not opposed to any of the substance of the PACT Act. The honest Repub my honest Democratic colleagues will fully acknowledge that my objection, and if I get my way, I get my change, it will not change by one penny any spending on any veterans program. What I'm trying to do is change a government accounting methodology that is designed to allow our Democratic colleagues to go on an unrelated $400 billion spending spree that has nothing to do with veterans and that won't be in the veteran space. So that's what I'm trying to do. They could have agreed to this a month ago and this bill would sail through at any point in time. Look, we can resolve this with an amendment vote. Right. But some of the Democrats don't even want to have an amendment vote. Well, okay, so you, you get the details here, right? It's pretty self-explanatory. Now, you, as, a, as, a, as John Stewart is, a, you know, a leftist, is going to sit here and, and disagree with that analysis. You know, who knows? Uh, they can go back and forth about this all they want. Now, it certainly doesn't seem like something to yell expletives at, uh, at, at senators for. doesn't seem to make any sense. Certainly not uh, helpful in any way. But here's the thing. As Pat Toomey just admitted, there's no opposition for what we're talking about here. No opposition for getting the money to these people. Uh, now, you might say, wait a minute, we don't have any money to be dishing out to anybody right now. But generally speaking, I'm saying from the senators, there's zero opposition here uh, to, to uh, helping this group of people, just like there was no opposition to helping 9-11 victims, just like there was no opposition to helping firefighters and police officers. None of these things have ever been true. When John Stewart's involved, that seems to be kind of a recurring theme. It's very strange. Uh, John Stewart wrote, uh, morning, Senator Toomey, I'd rather be a pseudo-celeb than a pseudo-senator. See how funny that is? Without a crowd? Take your amendment vote at the same 60-vote threshold veterans had to hit. Good luck capping and rationing care. Uh, now, of course, all of this stuff is just nonsense. It hasn't been, that's not what they're doing here. They're not trying to cap or ration 
care. That's not what they're doing. In fact, all the people who have voted against this have come out and said it. Let me give you a a particular back and forth. The coverage, of course, has aligned almost identically with Jon Stewart's ridiculous analysis of this particular situation. But uh, Alexa Henning, who is a spokesperson for Senator Ron Johnson, had to go back and forth. And this is what happens behind the scenes all the time. The press, uh, you know, uh, representatives from a senator is going back and forth trying to get a journalist to understand what the story is about. Because usually this is I mean, I could I could make jokes about how ill informed they are. But generally speaking, they just you know, they're not going to be experts on all this stuff. They're, they're basically trying to pick it up as they're writing their own stories. They don't know the back and forth here. So they go to the representative of, of Senator Johnson and they ask and she write, she sees the article, then writes this. Unbelievable. I exchanged multiple emails with the NBC News, including the text of the bill that references the four hundred billion dollars in spending unrelated to veterans. An additional comment from me and that the senator supports this legislation, but voted against closure because of Dems budget gimmick. And this is what they report. They report that the views of Senator Johnson certainly did. Uh, what, however, Johnson voted for the bill in June, but voted against it on Wednesday. He said in a statement that the bill opens a door for more reckless government spending. Senator Johnson's views quite literally didn't change. He voted the same way when this is before the Senate prior. I said that in my statement, he wasn't included in the story. Shocking. And then they actually She actually shows you the email of what she wrote to uh, NBC News. The senator supports providing coverage to service members affected by burn pit exposure. As the senator pointed out in his statement Wednesday night, the bill as written includes a budget gimmick that allows for $400 billion in spending over the next 10 years unrelated to veterans. He had the same concern the first time the bill came before the Senate, but ultimately, listen to this, John, ultimately supported it and will again. He's his spokesperson is telling you he's going to vote it even if they don't win this battle. He voted no on cloture Wednesday to insist to have the ability to amend the bill to correct this. But he wants to vote for the bill. This is all obvious to everyone except the white knight who comes out of nowhere to save the republic from his uh, long But not long enough. Slumber. Um, Also, uh, the NBC News response was, uh, thanks, Alexa. This is a huge help. To which she responds, oh, it's a huge help, but I'm going to be dishonest in my reporting. Honestly, this is either the laziest piece of reporting or maliciously false. Now, this is just a game to Jon Stewart because he knows he can get on the right side of the media and ride this for all of its worth. Now, you've noticed since he started this new show, I can't even honestly tell you which streaming, I think it's a streaming service, but I can't even tell you which one it is. I'm, I think it might be Netflix, but I'm not sure. And there, you know, that kind of shows the sort of impact a guy like Jon Stewart has had lately, and he wants a taste of that again. I mean, look, it's, e- it's obviously the easy stance to take to just spend, why not spend $100 trillion on burn pit victims? We all obviously agree that someone who was sick serving this country should have the health care that we need. Everybody agrees with that. At least I know everybody on the right does. Sometimes the left, when it comes to, they keep calling them, uh, you know, baby killers across the seas. So I don't know. Maybe they don't always agree with that. But I think typically they do, at least publicly. John Stewart says, no, this isn't a game. Real people's lives hang in the balance. People that fought for your life. The pact act you voted for that explic- inexplicably shot down is the same one Senators Tester and Moran posted online in May which you read because you're smart. See how funny that is without an audience? What's interesting about this, of course, is why is it so 
so important that it happens right this second. Why now? As they point out, it's been around for a while. Why this very second does it need to be passed? Why is this important right now? Why can't they have this amendment that would improve the bill and get you 90 votes or 100 votes? Wouldn't you want that if you actually cared about bipartisan action? Wouldn't you want it? Why wouldn't you go along with this? Here's why. If the Senate amends the bill, it will need to go back to the House again for another vote before final passage. That likely wouldn't happen until September since the House began its summer recess on Friday. Because they're on vacation. That's what they have to pass it this way. And they have to put your four hundred billion dollars at risk because Nancy Pelosi decided to go to Asia and everybody's on vacation. That's why. It's going to have to wait another couple months because the House, which so supports this and every single Democrat loves so much, they're all at home uh, or at their vacation villas. Isn't that just so interesting? And here's the the bottom line. You know, we go to this stuff all the time. We try to give you the the most uh, perspective possible and go deep into these things when we can. But sometimes the surface is just true. And we've talked about this for a while of coming up with a constitution of sorts where we come up with things that are just hard, true facts that shall never be changed unless, of course, we amend the constitution. And let me just give you one proposal here. And I don't know. I mean, we can come up with a process to really ratify these uh, these parts of the constitution. But this one, I think, has been true every time I can remember it. You can tell me if there's been exceptions, at least lately, but new proposed amendment to the Constitution. If Jon Stewart is talking about it in the media, it is a lie. Yeah, that's it. The entire text of the amendment. If Jon Stewart is involved, you just know it's not going to be true. This happens Over and over and over again, the same cycles, the same victims, the same targets. It's the same thing over and over and over again. And every time the media willingly falls for it, which isn't exactly the right description because they're doing it uh, intentionally, but they fall for it. They allow themselves to be won over by the emotional voices. Look, any service member who has a health uh, effect, particularly I mean, honestly, I've said this before. I'm I'm a big fan of the military. If uh, they they should get health care for the rest of their lives, totally fine with that. They might not want it from our government, but whatever they need. Like, I'm kind of on that bandwagon. If you're going to go out there and risk your life for us, whatever you need. However, that does not give Democrats a right to exploit that to enrich themselves and their friends. And that's what they do all the time. They they target Republicans and try to get them in a position where it makes them uncomfortable to vote against reckless spending. That is how we got here. That's why we have this stupid infrastructure bill that, by the way, a bunch of Republicans voted for. It's why we've overspent. It's why we have massive government programs that are bleeding us dry. Even though a lot of the people who receive the benefits from those programs are good people. Some of them have done really good things for the country. But these programs are the are the are are the uh, problem here, not the people behind them. Everybody wants 
people who served in our military and were injured in the course of battle or military service to receive every single bit of care that they deserve. There's just no opposition to that. That doesn't mean you get to run ramshack over our entire economy. You have to do it the right way. Pat Toomey, Ted Cruz, Ron Johnson, they're all just trying to say, look, we want to do this, but let's do it the right way. And the left is not only saying, absolutely not, we're not going to do it that way, but they're also saying, you want these people to die unless you do it the way we want it done because Nancy's on vacation and we can't get it done for a while. Well, I got to say, uh, that is not uh, that's not something that the, the Republicans should fold to, no matter how difficult it is. It doesn't matter if people like John Stewart run their mouth on, on, on YouTube. It doesn't matter if they run their mouth on Twitter. Let them run their mouths. Stand up for what's true. And so far, we'll see. Well, but so far, the Republicans are holding that line. Have you noticed there's been some inflationary pressures on the economy lately? Uh, if you are someone who's looking at the pump and uh, saying, wow, that's that's a lot of money. Right now, the, the, the administration's trying to brag that prices have gone down a little bit. But my prices have gone down much f- f- uh, earlier than that because of Upside. Upside's an app that basically, if you sign up for it, and they can help you um, save money on stuff like buying gas or groceries or dining out. With every purchase, you can ca- get cash back thanks to Upside. I know the first time I used Upside, it was something like, Ridiculous. It was like 25 cents a gallon I saved on a full tank of gas. I mean, that that saves, uh, you know, that's like two or three weeks of increases over the past couple of months. It saves you a lot of cash. And when prices are this high and all these pressures are really wearing people thin, saving money wherever you can is really important. When you get started, you can download the free Upside app in the App Store or Google Play. Use the promo code STU. Get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of 10 bucks or more. Next, you can claim an offer. Uh, for whatever you're buying on Upside. You check in at the business, pay as usual. You don't have to like bring out an app and it's like some long process. You just have everything registered and just go through and you pay as usual with a credit or debit card and you get paid in the app. Uh, In comparison to credit card uh, rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times as much cash back with Upside. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal or an e-gift card or Amazon for other brands, whatever you want. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week. That's why they have a four Point eight star rating on the App Store. Download the free Upside app and use the promo code STU to get five bucks more cash back on your first purchase of ten bucks or more. It's five bucks or more cash back on your first purchase of ten bucks or more. Why not get the free money? Use the promo code STU with Upside. The standoff at the border is heating up between Texas Governor Greg Abbott and the federal government. Politicians will never let a crisis go to waste. We have been invaded. The crisis is being used by Republicans as a photo op by the Democrats to expand their voting base. More than 85% of everybody reaching the border is coming in. That's the definition of an open border. Just down the road, you can get in no problem, no Humvees, no armed guards. What people don't realize is there's a way around everything. The Blaze Originals team traveled to the Texas border, ground zero of the most controversial news story of 2024. With some experts estimating over 4 million border crossings in 2023 alone, we embedded with the Take Our Border Back convoy to investigate. What if the entire narrative you thought you knew was a lie? Go watch the real story of Texas versus the feds and how the elites use the border crisis against us by visiting realbordercrisis.com. 
and use code TEXAS for $30 off an annual subscription to Blaze TV. Happy to welcome in Bobby Burak back to the program. He's a columnist for OutKick. Bobby, how's it going? Stu, thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, thanks for coming on. I, I want to start with the Deshaun Watson thing. and I, This is a fascinating story to me because I can kind of see both sides of the craziness here, where the NFL gave him a six-game suspension. He's been accused by a couple dozen women of all sorts of things, from you know lightly touching to seemingly full-out sexual assault. Right. Uh, he, and he gets a six-game suspension, and everyone's uh, the outcry is obvious here, right? Like this is crazy. How can how can he be getting a six-game suspension? And then on the other side, you know, you have this thing where none of these accusations are proven. It's just a bunch of people saying things. He's been cleared of criminal charges. I mean, should he just be, you know, should that just be the end of it? What, what should we take from this? Yeah. So a couple of things. First of all, um, we're going to see if the NFL upholds this ruling or not, because right now it's an independent arbiter who suspended him for six games. The NFL, particularly Roger Goodell, has the ability to extend that suspension. So he could go eight games. He could go 10 games. We'll see. But right now it's a six game suspension. And I'm with you, Stu. I can see both sides of the argument because I've always been one to say, look, I'm not just going to take somebody's word for something if the person accused is saying, no, I didn't do that. But in this case, you're up to about 30 different women. So that's when I start to think, okay, there's probably something to this. I don't think this guy is just completely innocent. I think it's a lot to the story because it is a relatively soft punishment given what the NFL has done for other players who have committed far less, we want to say, NFL crimes. I mean, they suspended a wide receiver for an entire year for gambling on a game that wasn't even his. But I think what's going on here is, is that the independent arbiter plus the NFL, they haven't had as much pressure as you would think to make an example odd to Sean Watts. I think a lot of reasons is, is that People in the media, particularly the sports media, have been afraid to really come down hard on Watson because so much has been made the past two years about the injustices of black quarterbacks. Um, mm. I think there's a lot at play here where a lot of networks shied away from coming down hard on the NFL because they were afraid of being accused of being anti-black quarterback, which you're seeing just repurposed over and over again the past two weeks. Had this been an easier target, I think this independent arbiter would have ruled much harder because we've seen, dating back to Ray Rice, to um, other players, Riley Cooper, when the media puts pressure on this league to make an example out of somebody, they do it. They didn't have that this time. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I want to get into the media reaction to this in a second, but first I want to hit... The process here, which is very strange, as you point out, this is an, an independent arbiter. Uh, it is a, a female judge, a retired federal judge appointed by the NFL and the Players Union to oversee the hearing. This is from The New York Times. They found that what this is amazing because to me, if, if he's guilty of these things like it's completely insane to give him a six game suspension. Right. But like the argument is, is he guilty or not? We don't really know. And it, there is some sort of, uh, you know, I guess we're doing some guesswork based on the numbers and some of the accusations that seem pretty credible. But that's not what this arbiter found at all. The arbiter said um, that Watson was in violation of the policy's provisions by engaging in unwanted sexual contact with another person, endangering the safety and well-being of another person and undermining the NFL's integrity. She described Watson's conduct as predatory and egregious and said that he had not expressed remorse. 
but then rejected the NFL's recommendation that Watson be suspended for at least a year and said that there was no basis in the policy for a penalty that stiffed for what she deemed nonviolent conduct. I, I mean, like, so he they're saying he did it, but six games, you can't go over that because it would be too much. That is a bizarre ruling. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's so arbitrary. Like, wh- where exactly is she even getting this numbers? Um, the best way to look at these NFL suspensions is that they're pretty much just put case by case into a randomizer and it punches out a number because there's no rhyme or reason why some suspensions are four games, some are six, some are 10, some are a year. We just don't really know. Um, but yeah, I found that ruling to be so strange as well. And like you said, you know, it's the NFL is not the one ruling on this. I mean, that goes back to people accuse the NFL of being such a bad arbiter of this stuff. But it sounds like this outside person, what's her name, Suzanne something. um, I don't know. I mean, she had over a year to get this thing done. And I don't know that her evidence even made much sense just based on an explanation you read on air. Isn't there just an argument that the easy way to go here is to just cede all of this authority from all of these sports leagues to the justice system and say, if you are, even if you're at least be charged with a crime, but I mean, I would think convicted is probably the right, the right, right line. But like, look, if you're charged with a crime, then you're suspended until we see the outcome or something where they're not having this ridiculous charade that these NFL, or, I mean, the NFL is not a, you know, it's not an investigatory uh, unit. It's, they don't, this is not CSI, right? They're, they're not, that's not their expertise right. is to go into, figure out what happened in a crime crime situation why not just leave this to the authorities and then just deal with it after that yeah and and there's an interesting case if you look at like that um there are people very outraged today over the um lack of length of suspension but nobody's talking about the court system which you know found this guy at least there was no evidence to charge him so he got away scot-free as far as the legal system goes so yeah I, i think that's the interesting point and i've said that a long time Stu, and people are always like well, it's a bad look for the league because of the accusations can hurt their branding and all that stuff. But again, I mean, the Cleveland Browns obviously didn't care about any of that because they knew all of the allegations against Deshaun Watson when they traded for him and gave him, I believe, the highest guaranteed contract ever in NFL history at the time. So the Cleveland Browns certainly aren't ashamed or afraid of what Deshaun Watson did. The New Orleans Saints aren't who made a big package offer for him, nor were the Atlanta Falcons who also tried to get him. So I agree. I don't buy the argument that the league is ashamed of these players. I think they're just doing it for their own image. I mean, I think there's a lot of teams that would take Deshaun Watson this year with or without that suspension. Um, So I think the whole thing is a mess, and it just makes the NFL look reckless, hypocritical, and so status-obsessed. Yeah, it really is bizarre. um, You mentioned the media earlier, and it's funny because I think this goes into the just the football sense of this move. The largest guarantee in history – a fully guaranteed contract, which really is almost never done. Kirk Cousins, the one exception right. to that, really. But it really is never done in the NFL. And so they gave him this gigantic contract. And this is where I think the media comes in, because I think you're right. Overall, sports media has been had a really light touch on this one. They've, they've decided they don't really want to deal with this. The one organization that does seem obsessed with it is the New York Times. And that's it's the New York Times. They've released right. multiple podcasts about this. They've released multiple big exposés where they've gone and tried to track down additional victims. And just from a football standpoint here, you're putting your entire organization on a guy who 
if he is alone with a woman at any point, can easily be accused of something right, real, not fake, whatever. And as soon as that happens, you've lost your entire franchise. I mean, this just seems to be a completely reckless move. Even if it works, it's a terrible risk to take, it seems like, for the Browns. Yeah, I agree. I think for the Browns, um, it really showed desperation as how bad they wanted to win. And Deshaun Watson, for people who forgot the last time he played two seasons ago, he was arguably one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL. So obviously great player, which makes the Browns overlook all of these allegations. Like you said, potential headaches on the horizon. Just because he's going to serve a six-game suspension, that does not mean he's going to walk back in that locker room and all that stuff is behind him. I mean, anytime, like you said, he's alone with a woman, he risks being accused of something or actually doing something. So reckless is absolutely an accurate way to sum this up. And I want to go back to, you mentioned the media. Well, the problem here is, is that in that victim pyramid, the media is having a hard time deciding between women, minority women who've accused Watson of this and Watson, a black quarterback. I mean, the media, like the Jamel Hill types, now we're speaking out. But over the course of this, they didn't want to say much about this because they didn't want to go against what they've said for so long is that the media unfairly criticizes black quarterbacks. I mean, this entire thing to me is a sham by the media once again. And this is one of the main points we brought up during this entire Me Too situation uh, when you looked at it with a skeptical eye. I mean, we all know that false allegations of sexual assault have been a big part of our history normally targeted against minority men. Uh, that is that's been the main target of it in our history. I mean, I obviously hope that's over. But like, you know, this is not a, a power you want to unleash in a country where you always say, meaning the left is always saying that, you know, evil men are in control of everything. I mean, this just seems like a terrible, terrible idea. Yeah, and this is what the NFL has done almost every time a player's in trouble. They seem to just shoot themselves in the foot from Ray Rice to Ezekiel Elliott to so many different ones. They, they always seem to hurt themselves more than they help themselves. Um, and I just don't get it. I mean, this is a league that is going to make about $15 billion this year. The NFL owns entertainment by and large, and they can't seem to get this stuff right. They just seem so incapable of making a logical decision anytime it comes to off the field issues. And that's just puzzling to me because mm. if anybody should be able to figure this stuff out, it's the NFL because of how much money they have and how often they deal with stuff like this. Uh, Bobby, this all relates to something you've written a lot about recently, which is the way we kind of like the media handles a lot of stuff that seems obvious and tries to spin it. You wrote a column, a history will not be kind to this bizarro world, the one we're living in right now. Right. It's, it's a world where, you know, we're told recessions are not recessions. We're told that you know, Joe Biden is this spry individual that, you know, mentally acute at all right. times when everyone can see uh, the opposite. There was a piece again in The New York Times just the other day uh, saying that Biden's big problem is to get people to understand all of his successes. Uh, how do we deal with a world that can't recognize the truth? Yeah, and the premise of that piece is that at some point, hopefully, we're going to move past all this and look back and say, wait a minute, in 2022, we had a president who couldn't speak. We have a media that doesn't value the truth. We have men competing as women in the swimming pool. We have 
congresswomen and Supreme Court justices not able to define the word woman. I mean, none of this makes any sense. If you were to foreshadow any of those things I just said, even five, six years ago, people would have said you're nuts. They would have said, no way is that going to happen in this country. I mean, it's just so pathetic what's going on. I think so much of it is just an indictment on a weakened, vulnerable culture. I mean, the, the hardest part I have with that piece, Stu, is that I didn't know how many examples to list because I could have went on and on and on. I don't want to write a column with just 100 examples. I wanted to give my opinion. But I had to finally stop because there were so many areas I could have gone. Because I think the times we're living in right now are so strange and concerning. And, um, I mean, the worst, all of it, is like you mentioned there, the attack on language. I mean, the word recession doesn't mean what it always meant. The word woman doesn't mean what it always meant. The word bigoted, racist, none of that even matters anymore. Those are basically just throwaway words. I mean, the assault on the language is something that we're going to have to answer for sometime in the future. Mm, control the language, control the argument. It's been said before, and it's, it's so, so true. Bobby Burak, he's a columnist for Outkick, going to help us navigate this bizarro world as we try to go through it. Thanks so much for coming on the program. Stu, talk soon. You know, buying or selling a home is already one of the most stressful things you can do in your life. And it can be 10 times worse if you're not working with the right real estate agent. Our homes are our biggest investment, and that's a lot of responsibility. And I don't know, if you're like me, you're thinking, I don't want any of that responsibility myself. I want someone else to, to think through those difficult things so I don't screw them up personally. That's why I always talk about realestateagentsitrust.com. Now, of course, passing the buck to someone else is always a good philosophy. I mean, we do live in the United States here. Uh, but you want to make sure you're passing it to someone who knows what they're doing, the best agent in your area, the person with the most, uh, the most positive uh, reaction, the most success in the market, the best results possible. How do you find that person? Realestateagentsitrust.com. They screen these agents. They know who the best ones are. They get rid of the bad ones. They know how to do this. And if you have ever you know, thought about going through a big transaction like this, a big move is on the table, maybe this is the time to get in touch with realestateagentsitrust.com. They'll contact you, help you walk you, help walk you through the process really easily. It's realestateagentsitrust.com, realestateagentsitrust.com. What a week for The View. A story told in three parts is, is appropriate for this one. At first, on Monday, they came out and they said, ah, this Turning Point USA, these, they're a bunch of Nazis. Uh, they said, I mean, they didn't exactly say that, but they said they were complicit with neo-Nazi demonstrators uh, that were there at a, a conference they had put on. Now, if you know, you might not like Turning Point USA, but if you know anything about Turning Point USA, they've spoken out against this type of stuff many, many times. Uh, they, they're not fans of Nazis, <laughs> like, as if there are, I guess there are four. There are four fa uh, fans of Nazis in the United States, but none of them are in Turning Point USA, as far as I know. Uh, so anyway, this was such an egregious error that uh, Turning Point USA sent a cease and desist letter to The View. Now, a lot of times this stuff gets ignored by uh, big media. And if you have any out, if you have any way of, 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 
of getting out of this, a lot of times you're not going to hear an apology from a mainstream media source on something like this because they just don't have to do it. They never get held accountable for this stuff. Well, this one was such an egregious error. Then they had to have Sarah Haynes, who apparently is a co-host on The View, uh, read an apology on Wednesday, part two of our story. She said, we want to make clear that these demonstrators were gathered outside the event and they were not invited or endorsed by Turning Point USA. Turning Point USA security tried to remove the neo-Nazis from the area, but could not because they were on public property. Also, Turning Point USA wanted us to clarify that this was a Turning Point USA summit and not a Republican Party event. So they got a bunch of stuff wrong and they apologized on Wednesday, which was already a big step to take. Then on Friday, they had to have another apology, part three of our saga. And this one was done by Whoopi Goldberg. You know, in Monday's uh, conversation about Turning Point USA, I put the young people at the conference in the same category as the protesters outside. Uh oh. And I don't like it when people make assumptions about me. And it's not any better when I make assumptions about other people, which I did. So my bad. I'm sorry. Okay. So. Mm. Now, it's funny because they make mistakes like this all the time, uh, constantly. And Turning Point USA actually was able to hold them accountable and at least get them to publicly say they were wrong twice on the air, which is more than I think the entire you know 20 year run of the show. So there you go. Uh, that's going on. But Biden is uh, now testing positive again for COVID-19. Now, he uh, he took uh, the Paxlovid, the uh, the Pfizer drug, and took that for a five day uh treatment. He did not have major symptoms, then tested negative. Now it's testing positive again with no symptoms uh, reportedly. Now, look, you know, uh, they make a big deal about this every single time, you know, a, a Republican politician tests positive as if they were super careless. And so it's really ridiculous to be to, to do this to, I think, either side. I mean, this is it's, look, he's the president of the United States, so I can understand why it's a story. But Joe Biden having an illness with no symptoms is not a news story. It's just not a news story. It doesn't matter. It's not a news story. I, I, I know it's going to be a news story, but I want you to know it's not a news story. Who cares if he's ha if he tests positive for something that have no symptoms? If we could have, I don't know, recognized this at the very beginning, I think life would have been a little bit better. Uh, but we'll see. Now, apparently, the media is on board with that uh, particular analysis. And Republicans are now... Uh, leading the midterm race for the House. We found another new low for Joe Biden. Biden's newest low, our favorite segment of this particular program. The CBS News Battleground Tracker now shows uh, the split, if the election were held today, would be 230 seats for the Republicans and only 205 for the Democrats, a bigger split than what the Democrats enjoy now. So, look, you gotta get the House or the Senate, preferably both, both here in 2024, preferably both. But you gotta get at least one of them to stop this stuff. You gotta get the Senate, particularly because of the Supreme Court and other court appointments, but getting one of the two is going to do a lot of the work here, and hopefully that actually happens. Back in a second. Last year, we released a limited supply of Let's Go Brandon socks, and they were very popular. Um, you liked them quite a bit, and you wanted more. So now they are back. Blaze has blazesocks.com. Yeah, that's right. Uh, if There are now two sock packages, I think there are, and uh, they've got uh, great drink covers as well to keep your beverages cool. Uh, this is America. You might as well get both packages. Load up on all your Blaze socks. They're available uh, online uh, right now. Uh, Blaze TV subscribers can get a special 
wonderful uh, deal. Uh, use the promo code StuSocks. You'll get 20% off your package. Uh, and if you're not a Blaze subscriber yet, I mean, obviously you should join. If you join now and use the promo code BlazeSub, you will get 20% off that, too. So saving money all over the place to fight back against the Biden inflation. Go to BlazeSocks.com. Check out the socks. Pick your favorites. It's BlazeSocks.com. Promo code is Stu. Uh, socks for 20% off. It's blazesocks.com, promo code StuSocks. Make sure to subscribe to the show on the YouTubes. Yes, if you go there, uh, click, uh, by the way, click like on the video right now if you happen to be listening or viewing on YouTube. We'd really appreciate that. Helps spread the show around. Catherine writes, I love that you guys talked about Dude Perfect. The best. Yes, Dude Perfect is awesome. They're, uh, they're on YouTube as well. You may They have a few more followers than I do. Like, uh, it's just a tad. I think it's like 58 million uh, more. But, uh, you know, it's just really, we're really in a, in a close battle on that one. Um, actually, I, 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 this is just a great group of uh, guys that started, you know, just a bunch of friends in college doing trick shots and have grown into a massive media empire. Uh, it just announced today, apparently, is they're going to be doing an alternative broadcast of Thursday Night Football for Amazon, which is insane. And we went to their show last night in Dallas, was the last show of their tour with their kids. And this is what I absolutely love about these guys, is you never have to worry. Like, of all the stuff we talk about this all the time, where you're putting your kids in front of uh, all this entertainment and so much of it winds up turning against you, they never fail on that standard. And it's such, an, it's such a relief as a parent to be able to have your kids watch something that they actually like and enjoy and get a lot out of, and at the same time, never steers them in some terrible direction. Now, it's going to be impossible if this culture does not revolt against these guys at some point soon. So I hope they make a trillion dollars before that happens. But in the show last night, they actually announced, I guess, a new project that they're going to be doing these, like, Dude Perfect Worlds that are, like, I mean, like, almost like massive, like, top golf trick shot arenas you'd go and eat and and check the show out and do the trick shots that they've done these guys are gonna they're gonna be laughing at bill gates at some point soon and good they deserve every penny we'll see you tomorrow